Hey everybody and welcome to the Today in Space podcast. I'm your host Alex Giofanos and this week we're going to be doing orbital news. So we're going to be talking about things that are going on in the space industry and getting you caught up to date on all the important stuff that's happening today in space. So uh, first we'll be talking about the impact on Mars as a new impact crater on Mars. Uh, We'll also follow that up with a Curiosity rover update uh, in case you were wondering what the rover is doing on the red planet. We'll also jump into a Pluto update. We'll talk about New Horizons and where it's at and talk about uh, some of the new discoveries that they've had since New Horizons passed in Pluto. And the information has been analyzed here back on Earth after it made it finally after, what, 3 billion miles then we'll get an ISS update on orbit. We'll check in with Peggy Whitson uh, and some other things on what's going on with the ISS. Finally, we'll end up with a 3D printing update. And I'm going to talk to you about the building of our new printer and our printer fleet, the Prusa i3 Mark II, and what have I got out of this whole experience from starting my own business, you know, uh, as an engineer, an operator, and as a business owner. So. Let's start the show, folks. Hello, and welcome to the show. Welcome back. Uh, just wanted to say, first of all, uh, apologize. The show's coming out late. Uh, I, 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 I need to stop tweeting or just telling you guys that the episode is going to come out, uh, early and then she gets in the way. It doesn't come out. So I apologize for that. Uh, I know in the past, <laughs> this is a recurring problem. So if you're new, I apologize. Um, but we, we, we are doing them every week. You know, that is a milestone from the beginning that, you know, we've gotten to, I've, I've got to get my discipline a little bit better, but you know, just, just to get into it, you know, 2017, one of the things I'm looking forward to improving in myself is, and having a good year with this is, is my focus is, you know, is, is having better focus and living more in the moment. In order to do that, I need to make sure that you know, whenever I'm spending time on something, I'm, I have my full focus and effort and attention to that thing. But that's not easy when your company is literally based off of helping anybody bring their idea into reality. So um, what I'm trying to get at here is that for me, I, I do well with uh, a huge, you know, uh, variation in, in the things that we're doing, like, uh, doing one single thing every single time would bore me to death. Uh, but you know, I can also go, go, go too much and have too many things on my plate. So now what it is is to, to bring it back, reel it back in and say, okay, you know, uh, Mondays I do this or whatever, having some kind of schedule, it doesn't really matter what the schedule is, or even if it's that detailed, it's just having one so that, you know, okay, I got to get in here. Like, all right, so you know, this is the this is the third round of the fight. Uh, he's up two one. You know, I got to get back into this and win this round, 
or knock them the fuck out. I don't know, but that's that's how you know I'm I'm, I'm approaching this. Is is okay? You know, every day is a fight. You got to get in there, and what's the the best place I can put myself to be a winner? Um, how I'm going to win that day? You know, so for me, I, I've I've got to reel back and uh, you know, and just get some discipline. You know, I'm still. Uh, it's 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 still from the holidays, you know, and uh, I'm still adjusting. Doesn't mean I'm not getting work done, you know. That does not mean I'm not getting work done, you know. For me, I am, you know, putting in you know, ten to sixteen hours a day with work. So it's not like the work's not being done. It's okay. Where's my focus? Not only so that this grows and and you know, projects are getting worked on properly, but it's also for me so that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm having fun with this because that's also the reason why I took this. This wasn't to, you know, I didn't take this job of working for myself, of being an independent contractor, right, to not have fun with it. That's the whole reason I got into it. And so why would I do the same thing to, you know, that I didn't like about another job? Why would I, you know bring the same bullshit to this new career. I don't want to do that. So, you know, we got to make sure that it works. And, and I'm way more, you know, I would much rather it work than me worry about how it was done or, uh, you know, make sure that this gets done three months in. It's going to get done how it's going to get done. You know, I'm, I am in this for the long haul. I forget, you know, that, it's only been a week. I can't believe it's only been a week since the last time we talked. I mean, so much happens in a week now that I, I can barely keep up. I mean, I, I you know I write my notes for this week sometime during the week, and then I come back to it. I'm like, oh yeah, that's what I was going to talk about because so many other things have filled in since then. So I hope you're having a great week. Uh, let's get into it with the first topic here. Uh, with the impact on Mars, the curiosity update. First off, before we get into the impact crater on Mars, uh, an update on the SpaceX launch that was supposed to have happened in between this week's and last week's episode. But the launch was moved due to high winds and rains at Vandenberg. Other range conflicts this week results in next available launch date being January 14th. And that's from SpaceX on Twitter. So the launch got moved to the 14th, but we're still going to do that Facebook Live launch hangout. So January 14th, I think it's still going to be in the morning, uh, probably around 9 or 10 o'clock and in the morning, Eastern Time. And we'll see from there what what happens you know we'll, we'll do a launch hangout regardless uh, it might be me maybe i'll be able to get a friend i don't know it's, it's tough hours to uh get people over here but we will do it and uh please check us out and uh, let us know what you think you know we're looking to grow and expand here and your input is going to help that uh become the best thing it can be so please reach out uh, and if you want to reach out you can use our email address at today in space podcast at gmail.com <laughs> So let's finally move to that new impact crater on Mars. What is it? Did an alien ship crash land on the Martian soil? Or did someone's rover explode? Who knows? All we know is that a candidate impact site formed 
at most between January 2014 and August of 2016. So potentially this could have happened, uh, you know, a few months ago. And, you know, the big question is, how do we know that? How do we know that it probably happened between, you know, this this two-year span? Well, from what I gather, you know, these missions do these orbital missions for a long time, and they take pictures, and they... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, there's like an archive. There's an archive of different specific points around the planet. Like the, when these missions are up there, when these satellites are up there, they're not just like orbiting and then every once in a while, you know, some guy's like, oh, hey, you know, why don't we look at that thing? And then they're like, oh, cool, let's do that. No, these missions are pretty planned out from the beginning and there are even plans for possibly the mission going extremely well and what will we do then? Or there's times just like with the uh, Rosetta spacecraft that was around Comet uh, 67P, it was given new instructions. They came up with new orbits because they were having issues with the lander. So then they had to create these orbits to communicate with the lander because you know they had to adjust to, okay, this is where the lander is. This is where it ended up. You know, those kind of things. And going back to the original point, these orbital missions take these certain areas constantly. And and one of the big things they they look for is, you know, what are the weather changes in these areas? So they're constantly taking these flights and taking pictures. So the last time this place was taken was between, oh, no, it was January 2014. That was the last time it was there. And the next time I took the picture was August of 2016. So it's it's pretty cool, but, you know, what could it be? You know, probably a comet or an asteroid. Probably a comet based on the destruction, although that's, that's not right for me to say. I don't know the scale of destruction of comets versus asteroids. I do know that in Neil deGrasse Tyson's book, The Space Chronicles, which is a really good book, he talks about, he has a whole table in there, a lot of great tables of information, but one of the great ones is the asteroid to comparable nuclear weapon energy discharge, you know, based on size and mass, you know, well, mass mostly. So that's a pretty crazy table. Now, this impact can be compared to something if... uh, you look at the comments of the original post where I found this from, which was from uh, Corey S. Powell at Corey S. Powell on Twitter. In the comments, uh, he says, you know, since you asked, here's the new Mars crater compared to the Scaparelli impact site on the right, the same scale. So you actually put the photos next to each other so you actually see you know, the size of the Scaparelli spacecraft that was supposed to land on Mars and ended up impacting because they were testing the procedure for landing in Mars so that down the road, things like that don't just happen and we don't know about it. We're going to test it out and make sure that our landings on Mars are well thought out and planned. Now, the size of it is it's a, it's a speck versus, you know, an M&M. You know, it, it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's, a, it's a big difference, uh, larger size, a lot more burn marks. There's actually like a streaking burn, almost like whatever hit was smoldering afterwards and the wind caused a uh, Nash mark of some sort. Uh, 
So we'll uh, we'll have to see more of what uh, goes on. Actually, High Rise, which is the mission that took these photos, the satellite, uh, actually answered uh, MWK's question. Uh, what's the reason for the dark color of the crater area? Dark dust frictional impact heating? Question mark. Remains of an explosion. And High Rise said that it's darker subsurface material exposed from the impact. So my opinion when I saw it this week was let's get the Curiosity rover over there if it's close enough. Uh, obviously, it's not going to be able to travel large distance, but if it's close, it might be able to get close and analyze it. It has that ability on board. Uh, and if not, keep those satellites coming around. Let's keep taking images. Let's see and observe the science of what happens after an initial impact, you know, who knows, we might be able to eventually, with more research of, you know, we, we might actually know what fallout from something like this might be, so we could actually gauge, you know, uh, what's, what things and impacts to look out for, and really just, most of the time, impacts, they're, you don't ever see them happen right away. You always see the aftermath of impacts, you know, the pockmarks on on planetary figures and stuff like that, moons, asteroids, of them getting hit. You don't usually see them get hit because most of the time if you're getting hit with them, you're not going to be around very long. So I think observing a an impact fresh like this is huge. So keep high-rise going around and get any other satellites that are in, in orbit that can get there and let's let's observe do science as far as the curiosity rover we've got an update here from mike wall a space.com senior writer uh, from december 15 2016 a drill issue continues to afflict mars rover curiosity and on December 1st, Curiosity detected an anomaly with its drill feed mechanism, which pushes the rover's rock-boring drill outward from the turret on the end of the Curiosity's 7-foot-long or 2.1-meter robotic arm. The mission team members quickly homed in on two likely causes, a problem with the mechanism's brake and an issue with the set of electrical sensors that report how the drill is rotating. Further work has led to a more definitive diagnosis, said Curiosity Project Scientist Ashwin Vasavada of NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory, JPL, in Pasadena, California. We were able to determine that it was the brake that's most likely the issue at this point, we think. And we were able to get some partial success in actually moving the drill feed and installing it, if you will. Vasavada said Tuesday, December 13th, during a news conference here at the annual fall meeting of the American Geophysical Union. But that success was short-lived, he added. We've now determined that that problem is reoccurring. It went away, and we were very excited, but then, unfortunately, it's returned in just the last day or so. So we're in the process of still figuring out how to go recover the operation of that drill feed. And mind you, you know, these (laughs) they're doing these troubleshootings, you know, what is it, 1.56 astronomical units away? You know, just they're doing this a planet away. You know, relaying information like operations for the rover to do on another planet. 
it, it just it blows my mind. So it, to to see all these little problems that are cropping up and and watch them troubleshoot them is really interesting because it kind of gives you an idea of what it really takes to do something in space, you know, never mind a human operation. If if a rover is this complicated, just imagine how complicated a human mission is going to be. We will be able to accomplish a lot more. We'll be able to analyze more while we're there. We won't have to wait to bring things back or to send data back. We can do all those little things that, you know, robo, robo, robots and rovers are really not able to do, you know, kind of self determine the best path to go, self-determine uh, what's the next step in the science. We're not there yet with intelligence, uh, with robots like that, artificial intelligence. But if we send someone there, we can get a lot more done. But now we have to keep a human being alive where a robot doesn't really give a shit if there's no air, no breathable air, or that it's getting hit with radiation. <laughs> so it's a lot more complicated process. But it is good to see that the Curiosity rover is back up and running, and the thing it's been looking at recently is a set of purple rocks, which apparently have exposed themselves after some uh, during the weather in the place that Curiosity rover is right now. The weather is very windy, and it's blowing up a lot of the red dust that we usually see, which is a lot of it is actually rust. So it's pretty cool to see what some of these rocks really look like. And then, you know, what does that, you know, why is it purple? Uh, apparently it's some kind of iron oxide material that uh, is exposed. And, you know, is it a different color because it's a different type of iron oxide? Is it a different color because of the environment it's in? You know, all those questions would be kind of be interesting to, to find out. And so we'll wait to hear more from the Red Planet and from our Curiosity rover. All right, let's do a Pluto update because it's been a long time since we've updated on the New Horizons mission and and just the where it's at, what is it doing. You know, there were talks of a, a mission to the Kuiper Belt to check out one of the objects out there. First time we've ever been there that we're actually going to observe, you know, and then see, see what is what it actually is. And right now, the New Horizons mission is on its way into hibernation mode. And it's going to spend the two years in hibernation mode as it makes its way to the Kuiper Belt, another billion miles. It's already traveled three billion miles to Pluto. And it's going to take, uh, it's going to travel another billion in the next two years. And then it'll wake up and perform all the operations it needs to in its approach to this new Kuiper Belt object, which is going to be really interesting. It's got uh, the same coloring as Pluto, apparently, which will be really interesting to see. And uh, just just to see what an object out there is like. I, I mean, eh, you know, I, I, what I've loved about these last few years has been this these exploration satellites like Cassini at Saturn and New Horizons at Pluto where they're giving us 21st century level visuals of the planetary systems, planetary bodies that are in, uh, that are out there, that are in our own solar system. And seeing Pluto definitely was one of those moments that redefined what we expect to find out there. You know, it was always this barren wasteland that was out there. But in reality, there's a lot that can be done, and they might even have 
uh, water on Pluto, which is not something that we really expected, especially in the deep regions of, you know, past Neptune's orbit. Uh, it's it's kind of no man's land out there, so we thought. And Pluto, being one of the Kuiper Belt objects, one of the grand Kuiper Belt objects, it's going to be very interesting to see what else is out there. Uh, personally, I think it's a treasure trove of, of diamonds in the rough that we're completely ignoring, mostly because we can't get there, but also because our planetary presence is just not at the point where we're really discovering what's out there. So to wrap it all up for this, uh, Pluto has been awesome. New Horizons has gone past that to now do another flyby of a Kuiper Belt object's two years from now in 2019, January. And in the meantime, we'll take a two-year hibernation period, which it did the same thing on its way to Pluto. So uh, actually, it's very interesting because uh, Alan Stern had uh, was a guest blogger on the blogs.nasa.gov. And I'll just read the first paragraph because it was pretty interesting read. You should definitely uh, look into it. The link will be in this week's episode. But he says, as of 2016 ends, I can't help but find point out an interesting. Let's start over. As 2016 ends, I can't help but point out an interesting symmetry in where the mission has recently been and where we are going. Exactly two years ago, we had just taken New Horizons out of cruise hibernation to begin preparations for the Pluto flyby. And exactly two years from now, we will be on final approach to our next flyby, which will culminate with a very close approach to a small Kuiper Belt object, KBO, called 2014 MU69, a billion miles farther out than Pluto, on January 1st, 2019. Just now, as 2016 ends, we are at the halfway point between those two milestones. So, an interesting place the New Horizons team finds themselves, and an interesting way to do basically a non-segue to our next topic, which is the 3D printing update, where we're going to talk about the Prusa i3 Mark II kit build that we've been working on, building a 3D printer from kit, all the different parts, putting it together. I'm going to talk a little bit about that and what that's been like for me. In this week's 3D printing update, I want to cover the building of the Prusa i3 Mark II kit. And uh, for those of you who are new, uh, you know, there are 3D printers that are out there that you can purchase at a, you know, at a cheaper price, a discounted price, that they give you the instructions, hopefully, sometimes, and you have to put it together. So this is a great exercise for anyone who uh, loves to put things together, wants to learn really what a 3D printer is, because that's the amazing thing in this whole process, but we'll get into that later. Uh, or, you know, I think the perfect thing would be for either someone who's uh, growing up and, and, and knows they're getting into engineering and wants to, you know, not necessarily test themselves like it's a stressful thing, but like stretch their abilities, you know, it's gonna, you're gonna do so many different things from, you know, working with electrical, you know, working with the circuit boards, you're not necessarily going to be doing soldering, but you'll be working with connectors and, and, you know, probably seeing a pattern, seeing like, oh, okay, that's, that's where the fan goes into. These are the things connected to the fan. Those, those types of things. Just being able to see it at a base level and not having to get it too complicated. You're going to learn something. You're going to pick it up. You know, then there's also just plastics in general. I mean, that's a, 
it's a huge industry and something that if you really pick up plastics, then you're just going to have less fear. And that's, that's with all these topics. That's kind of what it's all about. You know, getting into a 3D printer kit will hopefully like shake off that fear of, of working with, you know, mechanical things, you know, or uh, manufacturing equipment. You know, now there are things you have to be safe about. You know, don't put your, don't get your hands caught. You know, don't burn yourself. Those types of things. But you know, those things you learn with time, and and you you learn about online from other people that are doing it, which is the great thing about the time we live in right now. Now, one of the things that I wanted to talk about, though, was what have I got out of this whole thing as an engineer, as an operator, and as a business owner. As an engineer, it's kind of what I was just talking about. I, I, I've with this second printer build, I really got into building the printer and and focusing on the reasons that these designs were chosen and 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 comparing it, you know, to the last one, and you know why, you know, this is a very uh, popular printer right now, you know, it was on the cover of Make Magazine, and they, I love what Joseph Prusa has done with his product, and if, uh, if you want to follow the whole printer build, it's on my Instagram page at AG3D Printing, and, like, you can see, like, I've, I've had a lot of fun with it, and that's because it's a good printer, and it's a good printer kit, more importantly. You know, big differences between the RigidBot and this one was the instructions. But also working on the RigidBot big without instructions shed a lot of, like, coils, you know, a lot of newbie uh, rust from... Well, I guess I've never done it before, so it wouldn't have rust. But I think you get the point. Uh, a lot of that noob tendency stuff of, you know, being scared to do something when it was just like all you, all you had to do was, like, press it in the right place you know simple subtle things to learn about the parts that go into a 3d printer because once you learn one you kind of learn them all kind of thing you learn a little bit of everything so with these fdm 3d printers uh having something with clear concise instructions is huge uh and as an engineer it'll help you enjoy the product more for what it is and hopefully learn it more than being frustrated with it and and then being scared to fiddle with it because every time you try and fix it, it doesn't work. And so I, I understand that because I've been there. So that that's kind of what I got of it as an engineer. I got to enjoy it. As an operator, I'm really excited because I've started to fall in love with getting these machines to be f- tuned up, you know, finely tuned, you know, ready to, to work. You know, right now we're working on 36-hour prints, and that's that's huge. It's a, it's a big step in the future here for what we're able to do in-house, and we're going to start having a, a printer fleet, or you've heard it referred to as a printer farm, but personally, I like printer fleet better. And so now it's like, okay, well, now we're starting to wind these printers in. You know, Then we're going to start dealing with things like uh, running two printers at the same time and maximizing two printers to bring project times down. And, 
you know, we're going to have to calibrate all the new filament for this new printer. And I'm really excited to have a direct drive uh, 3D printer again because my RigidBot is the same. It's a direct drive where the motor that pushes the filament, uh, pulls the filament, is right above the heated nozzle. So it isn't this big escapade to, you know, fix any problems with the nozzle where a Bowden system, where they're separated by a PTFE tube by, you know, like 12 inches or so. Like, that's what I have currently, which I like, but I've ran into some issues, and uh, there's other materials I'll be able to test and use better with this direct drive system, so I'm excited about that. And as a business owner, this 3D printer kit has been really cool because it's helped me combine... I've been combining a whole bunch of different things to put myself in an uncomfortable place because um, that's where you grow. So so this has kind of been doing new things I've never done before. So the Instagram stuff, doing those videos and working on finding new ways to explain and teach 3D printing to people because that's, that's part of what I'm trying to do with this is, is educate people that aren't involved you know, and get, you know, everyday people who, you know, aren't looking at science every single day. How does that work? What is it? And also supplying the technical stuff for everybody else. So it's been interesting trying to practice that out. But the important thing is that I've been consistent with it. And even though I can be an asshole to myself and stress myself out, like, why the hell didn't the video come out? It's like, well, you know, we're not there yet. You know, I have time a few hours a day to get it in and if I get a video in great you know but the important thing is that the printer gets made it gets put together properly so that we're making the best prints we can the highest quality the fastest prints the the printer will last the longest you know all that stuff's important majorly important and uh, sometimes just you just get crazy so uh, it's been good to catch myself in that but I think ultimately to, to finalize this whole thing, uh, what have I got out of it as a business owner is this printer build has helped me understand the value of my machine. You know, I, I understand what this machine is literally made of, how it's put together, and then what, that way I know what to charge because you got to make money, you got to monetize it, and that way I can let the customer know and show off the printer and their prints to the way that it deserves to be. You know, I, I've, I really do think I have a better understanding of what this 3D printer is capable of so far and what I like about it. What, where are the good looks, the good views, the good angles, you know, uh, thinking about, oh, that'll be a cool way to shoot that, you know, thinking about the future, getting all that stuff in line. So, that's been really cool. It's been a cool creative uh, trip doing that. So really cool stuff. It's been a great, awesome week. A uh, lot of work, a lot of work, a lot of hours, but that's what you got to do if you want to do what you want to do. So that about does it for this week's 3D printing update. Thank you for listening. Uh, as always, check out ag3dprinting.com. That's ag3d-printing.com. And... If you want to order prints, we're running a discounted service on our 3D Hubs page. If you go to ag3d-printing.com, 
one of the first things you'll notice after you get past the home page is the uh, order print. It's a green button. You can order on our 3D hubs. So we're doing the discounted rate because uh, this whole community, it's all about reputation. So we've got to get these prints out there to people and everyone loves a discount. And the best thing is they're going to get some great value with that. So if you want to help be some of the first customers to help us uh, get started here in this community, because again, it's all about rep, uh, please go order order 3D print. And if, if you just want to get into 3D printing and you're just interested, you've heard me talk about it, and you just want to know what it's like, go to our Thingiverse page and, and check out our likes, you know, AG 3D printing on Thingiverse. And check out our likes page. Like that, that'll. I've been collecting those for over a year easily, and so there is just a catalog of different free models that people have have designed and put up there, or remixed. That's a big thing: is remixing other people's models. And it's about open source. It's about giving things out there, you know. And it's a really cool place to find a free model and get started with three D printing. And also, don't forget to check out the Instagram page and follow this whole Prusa i3 Mark II printer build and the creation of our fleet. So check it out. All right, everybody. We are at the end of the show here. So I want to wrap up with a few more things that I thought you should know going into this week that's happened in space this past week. Uh, starting off on the International Space Station in orbit, uh, Peggy Whitson and Shane Kimbrough went on a space whack, uh, space whack, walk, space walk, and uh, managed to complete all the operations in time and got started on some get ahead tasks, catching them up on some other tasks they would do on some future spacewalks so that the next spacewalkers can do more. So that's really good. And some of the things they were working on were, you know, we had talked about that some of these. Deliveries to the International Space Station included some new lithium batteries to, to replace the nickel-hydrogen batteries that were on board. So the pair went to task replacing those, and actually I had seen uh, they replaced a, a failed light as well. So congratulations there. And NASA also released new planetary plans, which are very asteroid-heavy for the 2020s. It looks like asteroid mining may actually get a chance to to try, even though there's companies like Planetary Resources that are they're going to be doing it anyways. NASA's actually focusing on this. And one of the missions here, uh, the Psych mission, which is part of NASA's discovery program, it's going to fund a robotic spacecraft that's going to go to this asteroid that is completely metallic, completely metallic. And it's the apparently the only known round metal body in the solar system. So it's a really rare thing. And what it actually is, is a planet that used to be about the size of Mars. And it, it had been just hit and, and crashed to the point where only the, the metal core was left. And it's about the size of Massachusetts. And it's made of nickel and iron. So we're going to actually go and visit a metal asteroid, which is the perfect training ground for future asteroid missions. So it's going to be really interesting to see, number one, if this mission continues, which I don't see any reason why it wouldn't, especially since uh, the last major thing that was passed in government was a 
basically uh, an outlining of what and how resources are allocated if someone brings back something from space. You know, uh, it's it's a huge structuring of, you know, who owns what, who's responsible for what, and uh, very interesting. So I would love to see if if this mission continues. And if it does, it's going to be really great because we can finally, you know, test the Armageddon theory, you know, like the movie, like could a drill team go up there and actually drill through or is drilling metal without being like secured to the asteroid going to be an almost impossible thing, but who knows? We'll find out. So that's it folks. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Today in Space, and we'll be doing a topic next week, so the whole episode's going to be about that. So that's it, folks. We're, we're going forward with our new plan, uh, the new format, and I hope you guys are liking it. Uh, if you guys like something, please let me know. Email me at todayinspacepodcast at gmail.com. Hit me up. I uh, want to make this the best show for you guys as possible, so let me know what you guys like so we can keep bringing you that. All right, great week. Spread love, spread science. Love you.